Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. I know you've been standing for a while. Let's read Acts 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. The whole house. Somebody say the whole house. Filled it all entirely. Filled the whole house, the Spirit of God did, where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues. The King James says cloven tongues, just like tongues of fire is the image that is there. And it sat upon each of them. So there was a a flame for every person. Not just a flame for this one and that one and skipped over that one and went to this one and skipped over that one. No, it was available to everybody in the house. So the, the tongues of fire sat upon each of them, a flame for every person. And they were all, everybody say all, all filled with the Holy Spirit. The King James says Holy Ghost. Interchangeable terms. They both mean the Spirit of God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That means in another dialect, another language, a language they hadn't learned before. And they did that as the Spirit gave them utterance or ability to do so. My title today is the whole house. I'm believing for it to fall on the whole house. I'm believing for the Spirit to fall on the whole house. Somebody agree with me in prayer right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Let's open ourselves to God and do His Word. Lord, we invite you. We welcome you. Come on, go ahead and ready yourself right now. Go ahead and prepare the way in the Spirit. Oh, we're receptive. We're open to you. Let your spirit rain down. Let your spirit rain down. Let the Holy Ghost fall. Let it fill the house. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I need somebody to preach with me today. Amen. You may be seated. The church of the book of Acts, the early church, the first church, all of these are referencing that book of Acts church, the church that Jesus started. It's the one he gave his life for. But that church, that early church, started with a mighty rushing wind. It started with a dynamic, supernatural outpouring of the Spirit of God. And from that upper room in Acts 2, the Spirit of God spread like wildfire. And what began with 120 in in an upper room quickly became 3,000 before the day of Pentecost was completed. That, that's Acts chapter 2, where we just read a moment ago. Then in Acts 3, 
we find Peter and John. They're walking past the beautiful gate, the gate beautiful, on their way to the temple to pray, and they encountered a paralyzed man and said to this man, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And that man was healed instantaneously in that very moment. I'm talking about the book of Acts, church. So that's Acts 3, but then in Acts 4, God is continuing to pour out his spirit, and we find that 5,000 or so were saved by that point. And then in Acts 5, Scripture tells us that multitudes believe, not just a handful, not just a few, but multitudes, the masses, began experiencing new birth power. Praise God. Also in Acts 5, we read about people being brought out into the streets just so by chance if the apostle Peter was passing by that his shadow may be cast upon them and they believed that if just they could have the, the shadow of Peter come on them that they could be healed. And so you've got crippled people, formerly crippled people now walking and leaping and praising God. And in that same chapter we read about prison doors being open. But if that's not enough of what happened there in Acts 5, we find that the power of the Holy Ghost catches the attention of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. And he says, you know what, this is, this is good stuff here. This, this is some special magic here. And he wanted to buy it. He wanted to get his hands on it. He wanted access to that power. And so it wasn't for sale. So he couldn't, he couldn't that's not how you obtained it. But he wanted, he saw it, he witnessed that power, and he wanted it. Then in Acts chapter 9, we find that there was a lady there by the name of Dorcas, and, and Dorcas passed away. But in Acts 9, she's resurrected. She's brought back to life, and that's there in that chapter. And if that's not enough, then in Acts chapter 10, Peter comes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius was a Gentile like you and I, and the Bible tells us that the, the, the Holy Ghost kind of crossed the barriers, and, and what started with the Jews, what, what started with them, what started with God chosen, God's chosen people, now he began to engraft other branches into the vine and bring other peoples in, and so the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and all of his house. As a matter of fact, it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, that while Peter was still preaching that the Holy Ghost fell on them that day. Listen, I want you to know that I want the Holy Ghost to fall in this church whenever it gets good and ready. You might wonder what is the right time. I'll tell you, whenever your hungry heart gets ready, that's the right time for you to receive a blessing from heaven. You can stand up right now if you want to. You can come run to the altar this very moment if you want to. Because if you're ready, I believe God is ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But if that's not enough, you can look at Acts chapter 12 where the apostle Peter was in prison and the Bible says that while he was there that the church began to pray 
and an angel was dispatched and broke him out of jail. And if that's not enough, you can continue on to Acts chapter 16, and you'll find Paul and Silas in prison this time. And the Bible says that at midnight, they started singing, and they started praising God. And the Lord responded by sending an earthquake, and their bonds were loose, but not only theirs, but every other person in the prison was freed and liberated. Acts 19, Paul went to Ephesus and he found some of the disciples of John the Baptist. And so he asked those believers and he said, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He wasn't dealing with unbelievers. He was talking about some people who believed. They'd already taken that step, but there was another step they hadn't taken. They said, how could we receive the Holy Ghost? We hadn't even heard about it. Then he said, well, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized unto John's baptism, unto repentance. But I want you to know that after Peter preached to them about the Holy Ghost and the name of Jesus, that the Bible tells us they received the Holy Ghost and they were rebaptized in the name of Jesus that very moment. Acts chapter 20, we read about Paul. He preached all night long. Must have been quite a sermon. I've never had one quite like that. He preached all night long. It was a good one. He just couldn't put it down. He preached and he preached and he preached some more. And the Bible says that he preached so long that a guy fell out of the window. He was sitting in the windowsill. He fell out of the window and he died. Listen, when you preach and people fall asleep, that's one thing. But when you preach and people start dying. But the Bible tells us Paul went over to him and he prayed for him and he came back to life. I'm talking about the early church. I'm talking about what happened in the book of Acts. And if that isn't enough. We find that Paul was later shipwrecked. He was miraculously saved. And then he got bitten by a poisonous snake. And he didn't get worried about it. He didn't get all anxious about it. But instead he walked over to the fire. And the Bible says he just kind of shook that snake off into the fire. Church, I'm talking about a New Testament bunch of believers that were filled with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It was a church that was moving. It was a church that was growing. It was a church that was powerful. When persecution came against the church, the church flourished. They didn't shut down. They didn't run and hide. Amen. It was like they just, they caught, they caught another gear. They flourished. When trouble came their way, the church persevered in the face of trouble. Why? It's because they were filled with the Spirit. They had access to the supernatural power and presence of God in their life. You know what? That's why I want there always to be fresh fire in this church. 
I don't, I don't ever want us to get relaxed. I don't ever want us to be satisfied with yesterday's encounter or yesterday's experience. Oh, I'm grateful for where God brought you from. I'm grateful that he filled you with the Holy Ghost 10 years ago. I'm thankful that we had a powerful move of God in this place last Sunday, but that was last Sunday. And today is a new day, and there's new needs, and there's new challenges, and there's new troubles. So we need the fire to fall again today. And I'm not talking about just any old fire, but I'm talking about the kind of fire that refines. I'm talking about the kind of fire that consumes. I'm talking about the kind of fire that can't be contained. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. And I want it in my life. And I want it in this church. And I want it in my family. And I want it in this city. I wonder if anybody agree with me today if that's how you feel. Lord, we want your spirit to fall. We want the fire to fall. We want your presence to fill the whole house. The whole house. Not just a little bit here and there, not just touching one or two, but let your flame fall on each of us today. Let your spirit fall on each of us today. Somebody worship the Lord just a moment. Somebody call on heaven just a moment. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, Lord, send the fire. Send the fire. We see the effects of Holy Spirit infilling throughout the book of Acts. We see it. We see it prophesied. I'm going to read it in just a moment in chapter 1, and then we see it flowing throughout the whole entire book of Acts. We see a church that is powerful. We see a church that's making a difference. We see a church that's turning its world upside down. Now, I said all of that. I, I preached through the whole book of Acts in record time. Didn't take me all night. But I said all of that to be able to say this, and that's that if the early church, if that's how they began, then that's how the church should continue today. Listen, I don't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for a church that is any less powerful than the one that he started back on the day of Pentecost. Amen. I believe that he's coming back for a church that is ready, for a church that is connected, for a church that is empowered, for a church that is filled. Oh, hallelujah. You remember, here's what he said. My church is going to prevail. The gates of hell aren't a match for my church. I've established it on a rock. The church of Christ is not supposed to go backwards. It's only supposed to move forward. Oh, hallelujah. Let it fall in the whole house. I believe it for the whole house. It's a promise for the whole house. So let me give you some reasons today why the church of today needs the power of the Holy Ghost. That we don't need to settle to live without the Holy Ghost. 
I'm talking about the whole house needs the Holy Ghost. There's a flame for each and every one of us. It's God's will that we all be filled. That we all be filled, each and every one of us. Oh, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of an introvert, and I'm kind of shy, and you know, I'm not sure about it. It's for you too. I said it's for you too. Hallelujah. Some of you, you know, you, you're, you're, your brain's running, you know, 150 miles an hour, and you find a hard time, you know, to sit still for a little bit. Listen, it's for you too. He wants to get a hold of you too. Praise God. Here, here, here's a few reasons why we need the Holy Ghost in our midst. The first reason, we'll put it on the screen. The Apostle Paul preached it, and it's biblical. What's the deal with that? Apostle Paul, well, if you, if you know anything about the Bible, or if you don't, that's okay. But let me, just, let me just kind of tell you, the Apostle Paul was not there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. He wasn't a part of that initial outpouring. He wasn't numbered amongst the 120. But here's what happened. He had an encounter with Jesus one day. He had an experience with the Lord, and the Lord sent Ananias to him and said, Hey, let me tell you, this is what you need to do. This is what, you, what, 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 you, what needs to happen in your life. And so Paul experienced the power of the Holy Ghost at a later date. Not on the day of Pentecost, but it happened later. And then he led others to do the same. Here's what 1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse number 1, says. Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul says, I, brethren, when I come to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, all I care about is who he is and what he did. So he said, look, I, that, that, that's what this is all about. It's not about me. It's not about my eloquence. It's not my about my persuasive abilities. It's not about my knowledge. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how we apply that to our lives. Verse 3 says, and I was with you in weakness, and I was with you in fear, and I was with you in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching, listen, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And can I just say, there's a whole lot out there, uh, out there available today. Man's wisdom, human's wisdom, human opinion. Jump on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. But he said, that's not how I came to you not with persuasive or enticing words like the King James says of, of, of man's wisdom. But here's what he said, but I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. You, you want to know why Paul made such a difference? It's because he wasn't leaning on his ability. He was leaning on supernatural ability. You want to know why he went everywhere starting churches and, and, and leading people to faith? It's because he wasn't leaning in his, in, into his knowledge and into his eloquence. No, he was leaning on to Jesus Christ. He was pointing people to Jesus. There was a demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, the power of God. 
That's what Paul said about how he preached, not with enticing words, not with persuasive words, but with power, with a demonstration of the Spirit. Can I tell you, that's my goal as your pastor. It's not to get up here and to entertain you. It's not to get up here and, can, and, and try to prove or how smart I am or what I know. No, I want to see that once the word of God is preached, I want to see lives that are changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not by might, and it's not by human power, but it's by his spirit. I can't save anybody. I can't help anybody, but I know one who can. So I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm going to preach who he is and what he did. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He said it's the power of God. It's the spirit of God. That's the difference maker. If you want to know why this church is a little different than some other churches, there's a difference maker at work. One of our values here at the Life Church is we are a spirit-filled church. We're not ashamed of that. We make no apologies for that. This is a spirit-filled church. We believe that what God did in the book of Acts, he can do again. We believe that the same spirit that they were filled with on the day of Pentecost, that it's available to us today. Can the church say amen? Hallelujah. Talking about Paul, talking about Paul. Later in the same book of 1 Corinthians, Paul, he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Don't confuse that with the gift, singular, of the Spirit. A lot of people go straight to 1 Corinthians, and that's where they try to become educated about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. No, you start with Acts. There, there's no Corinthian church before the church has got started in the book of Acts. You've got to rightly divide the Word of God. Right, if you just jump off into a scripture not understanding the context, it's confusing. So people will go to 1 Corinthians and they say, oh, the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts, and not, not everybody speaks with tongues is what it says there. And that can be confusing. But what it means is it's the gift of, of tongues and interpretation. So what comes first? The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Spirit. But once you receive the gift of the Spirit, now you have access for the gifts, plural, the gifts of the Spirit to begin to operate in and through your life. And so Paul is talking to the church about that. And, and then in the book of Galatians, he talked to the church about the fruit of the Spirit. So they're not the same. You got the fruit of the Spirit and you got the gifts of the Spirit and they're different. There's nine fruit and there's nine gifts, but they're different. You know what, there are some churches that they're only about the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, we, you know, peace and love and joy and kindness, gentleness. You know, and that, that, that's where they put all their focus. But they totally neglect the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to think about it like this. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. Think about each one of those gifts or fruit like, like a feather on the wing of a bird. And so over here on one side, you got the fruit of the Spirit, and you got nine fruit, you got nine wings. If all you've got is the fruit of the Spirit and you start flapping your wings, what's going to happen? 
If you got over here the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't have the fruit, and you start flapping your wings, what's going to happen? But if you get the fruit of the Spirit and you get the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, how now you can do something. Now you can go somewhere. Now you're ready to be on the move. Oh, hallelujah, we need it both. We need, I want it all. Somebody say, I want it all. I want everything that the Bible makes available to us. I want every promise that is for the church and nothing less. Fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. Let me focus on the gifts of the Spirit real quick. If you want a more in-depth teaching on this subject, I did, a, I did a whole series back in March of last year. Check out our archives. And you, can, you can follow along with that. But The gifts of the Spirit, there's nine of them. But those gifts can be broken up into three categories. We're going to put this on the screen so we can kind of follow along here. But there, there's the gifts of utterance. In other words, that's, that's the gift of tongues. And that's the, the, uh, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And, and, and that's the gift of prophecy, right? And, and so the gift of utterance is, you know, it, it says something, right? It's, it's saying. It's proclaiming. So that gift of utterance, something is being said. It, it, it speaks. And then you've got the gifts of, of power, that, that's what happened here in first service this morning. The gift of healing began to operate, and Sister Rachel was touched in her body physically. Amen? That's a powerful thing, the gifts of power. That means something is being done. So utterance, something's being said. Power, something's being done. Then you've got the gifts of revelation, talking about the, the, the gift of, you know, the, the word of wisdom, the word, the word of knowledge. And that, that means something is being revealed. And when you think about the gifts of the Spirit and you think about that in the church context, knowing that there's a purpose for the gifts of the Spirit and it's not for our entertainment value. It's not so we can, you know, operate in the gifts of the Spirit so everybody can say, oh, that was a good church. Sir. Did you hear him? Did you see what she did? No, no, it's not about us. It's not about us becoming spiritual superstars. But when you understand the gifts of the Spirit in the context of the church, knowing that the gifts are for the purpose of edifying the church. And if you're in a church and you find yourself in an assembly of believers and there's nothing being said, there's no rhema word from God. The prophetic is not operating. And if you find yourself in a church setting and there's nothing being done, people are coming in one way and they're leaving the same. Lives aren't being transformed. And if you find yourself in a church and there's nothing that is being revealed, then listen to me today. There's a very good chance that the Holy Ghost isn't there. Because when the whole house gets full of the Holy Ghost, there's some gifts that the church begins to embrace. There's some gifts that the church begins to utilize. Why? Because we're in this together. We're on this journey together, and I want to make heaven. But listen, I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want you to go with me, and I want you to go with me, and I want your family to go with me. So there's some gifts that I'm going to use to bless and to benefit you. Praise God. That's why we need the power of the Holy Ghost in this church because we want something to be said here. We don't want to leave and say, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of nothingness. 
God didn't really speak to me today. God, God, God hadn't spoken to me in ages and eons. No, no, we want there to be something said. When people step to this pulpit, we want Holy Ghost power to be on them. We want the word of God. We want there to be an unction. We believe for there to be something to be done. And we believe that there's something that's going to be revealed in our midst. And no, we can't make it on our own. It's not about our ingenuity or abilities. Yes, we can do all things, the Bible says. But it's only through Christ who strengthens us. Listen, when the gifts of the Spirit begin operating, that ought to let us know he's here. He, hey, he's here. He just showed up. He just walked in. There's something, there's something stirring. When somebody gets healed, like what happened with Sister Rachel this morning, that means the gift of healing is working, and that's a pretty good indication that, hey, God's in our midst. When somebody receives direction through a word of wisdom, that means the Lord is here. If someone gets encouraged through the proclamation of the prophetic, that means God is here. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move in the middle of a worship service and kind of begins to take things over, listen, we'll set our program aside and say, God, have your way. You are here. Praise God. One of the prayers that I pray in pre-service prayer, we have pre-service prayer 30 minutes before every service if you'd like to join us. But one of the prayers I pray every, every service before is, God, let your spirit be active amongst us. You're welcome here. We don't want there to be anything that hinders your moving, God. We don't want any, there to be anything that stops what you want to accomplish in our midst. So we give you access and we give you free reign. Lord, let your spirit be active here. We need the gifts of the spirit like Paul talked about. As a matter of fact, after Paul addressed the church's misuse of the gifts, and if you go and read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, that's what you're going to find. They were, they were kind of going extreme. They were getting things out of order, right? They, they, they weren't doing things the right way. They were, they were kind of using them for their own ability and their own purpose. He's like, no, no, no. You got to do it right. You got to do it decently in order. You got, you know, the spirit's subject to the prophet. But then here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He said, do not forbid to speak with tongues. It's like, hey, you know what? You, you kind of you got out of hand. kind of got carried away. You started kind of seeking the gift instead of the gift giver. So let's get this back in order. Let's do it right. Let's do it biblically. Let's do it correctly. But don't forbid anybody to speak with tongues. In other words, don't, don't stop a move of God. Don't stop an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I want to be in a church, and I want my wife and my girls to be able to go to a church where speaking in tongues is not foreign. I want to be a part of a church. I want for your kids. I want for your children that are growing up. I want them to be able to go to a church where a move of God is not the exception. But I want it to be a place where it's the rule, where we yield to the Lord and allow him to do what he wants to do in our midst. Oh, hallelujah. Before y'all start calling me the Apostle Paul, I'm going to move on to my next point. Hallelujah. I'm not going to spend as much time on these next few. 
The next reason I want to talk about today that the whole house needs to be, needs to be filled is because a manifestation of the Spirit helps us all. A manifestation of the Holy Ghost helps us all. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Why? For the profit of all. Let me say it like this. When the Spirit of God touches one person, you wait just a minute. It's going to be like an electrical current that begins to run through. Come on, you got the same Spirit that I got? Do you get the same Holy Ghost I got? Do you have the same Father that I have? Oh, hallelujah. And so it's like an electrical current that one person begins to respond. One person begins to be blessed. One person begins to step out. And before you know it, it begins to move. And it begins to go like the wave across the sanctuary because a wave of the Spirit begins to flow. <laughs> Praise God. Have you, have you ever been in a place where you, you, you experienced a mighty move of God? You, you know, you had a life-changing encounter, but then when you stopped and when, you, when it was over and you started thinking about how, how did that get started in the first place? And you remembered, oh yeah, it was when old brother such and such got a hold. And it was like he plugged into to 220. Hallelujah. There was a current that went through him, the power of the Holy Ghost. It, it was like so that, 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 that young lady began to travail and she began to intercede. And, and that individual began to push through. And that's how it started. Anybody ever experienced that before? It didn't, maybe it didn't start with a bunch, but it just started with one. But listen, when the Spirit is manifested, the Bible says it profits us all. When the anointing begins to destroy a yoke for one person, everybody ends up getting blessed. You know what? I want that to be normal for this church. I believe that to be normal for this church, not an aberration. I want it to be normal because a manifestation of God's spirit benefits us all. I'm thankful we've got some catalysts in this church. I'm thankful we've got some people who aren't going to sit back and, and just see what happens and see which way the wind blows and see which way the river's flowing. But we've got some people saying, you know what, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to get a hold of God. I'm going to get a hold of the horns of the altar. I'm going to worship whether anybody else is worshiping. I'm going to dance whether anybody else is dancing. And they begin to trouble the spirit. And pretty soon, soon here it goes. It starts moving. It starts expanding. It begins to touch us all. The whole house. I want it for the whole house. Listen, if you're not a catalyst for the cause of Christ, you can be one. It's the old analogy. The thermostat and the thermometer. Right? What does the thermometer do? It just tells you what the temperature is in the room. The temperature's down here. It's kind of cool. Thermometer shows you that. Starts heating up. Temperature starts rising. Thermometer responds. And it shows you that. But what's the thermostat do? 
I'm not satisfied with how things are. I've got a hunger in my heart, and I'm going to press through, and I'm going to break through, and I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to do what the Word of God instructs me to do. I'm going to worship while I have a chance. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the face of God because I want to be a part of a church that has a move of God. third reason we want the Holy Ghost to fill the whole house is the presence of the Spirit authenticates the gospel. We saw it demonstrated this morning. We preached about the power of God. We preached about healing. And our, and our precious sister was touched miraculously, instantaneously. We've got people getting baptized. Amen? Why? Because we're proclaiming the truth. The presence of the Spirit authenticates the gospel. Here's what Mark chapter 16, verse 20 says. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Amen. That's what we want. We don't want to be out here doing our own thing. We don't want to be out here doing, you know, what, what everybody else is doing. We want to do what God's doing. We want to work where God's working. We want to care about what God cares about. They went everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word. Somebody say confirming the word. Confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Just prior to that, Mark 16, same chapter, a couple verses before. Here's what it says in Mark 16 and 17. Jesus said, in my name, they're going to cast out demons. Come on, this was commonplace in the early church. They came across somebody who was possessed. Listen, the power of Satan has nothing compared to the power of God. I want to remind you today, greater is he that is. You don't have to be scared of a devil. You don't have to be fear, fearful of someone who's possessed. No, greater is he that is in us. Come on, don't go in your name. Go in his name. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Speak with new tongues. Here's the Holy Ghost. They'll take up serpents. It's not saying go out and, and tempt fate. Don't go hunting in the brush this afternoon. Levi, I believe, I heard you had an encounter recently. Where's Levi? He's somewhere here. He's somewhere here. But he, you know, he had an encounter with a rattlesnake I heard last week. I don't think he stayed around to have a conversation with the rattlesnake. Amen. But if something were to happen, there he is. Not speak of the devil, but speak of Levi. Amen. He's like, what in the world? Drink any deadly thing. It will by no means hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick. They'll lay their hands on the sick. Doesn't say that the pastor will lay his hands on the sick. They will lay, the church will lay their, come on, you don't have to wait until Sunday. Your coworker has a need tomorrow morning. So you know what, come on, let's come over here and let's pray. I'm going to lay my hands on you and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the kind of church that Jesus died for right there. So he says all of this, and then he follows it up by saying, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming his word through the accompanying signs. You know what a sign does? A sign gives direction. 
You look at a sign and it, it points somewhere. So how do you know if a church is moving in the right direction? How do you know if, if what's happening in a church is real? How, how do you know if something that's happening in the church is of God? Well, then ask yourself the question, which direction is it pointing? Is the Lord working in their midst? Is he being active among them? Is his word, the word that is preached, is it being confirmed? In other words, is what is being preached about being experienced? Hallelujah. Are people being filled with his spirit or is it a spiritless church? Because I'll remind you today, the prophecy was that he was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh in the last days. Are there any signs that are occurring? Are there any wonders that are, that are being done? Is anyone being healed? Are miraculous provisions occurring? Which direction is the sign pointing? So while I'm on that, let me say this as well. We got all kind of preachers and prophets and self-appointed bishops today. But if you want to know if a preacher or a prophet is real, then just look at the direction their sign is pointing. Is it pointing at them? Or is it pointing to Jesus? Listen, we don't seek signs. We're not following signs. Signs follow us. Why? Not because we're all that, but because we're believers. But because we've got the Spirit of God working in us. And when we proclaim the Word of God, His Spirit validates the Word. People are healed. People are delivered. Lives are transformed. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we go, fourth and final, fourth and final. The Holy Ghost is for the whole house. The reason we need that is because an outpouring of the Spirit unlocks the power of God. Here's what it says in the first chapter of the book of Acts, verse number 8, Jesus speaking, and he was prophesying about what was to come. He said, but you shall receive power. Tell your neighbor, power. Tell, tell the other neighbor that you just ignored power. Power. You, it wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. But you shall receive power. Got the Holy Ghost today? Then you don't have to be powerless. You don't have to be a pushover for Satan. Come on, you don't have to throw your hands up and surrender every time temptation comes along. Come on, you got the Holy Ghost? There's some accompanying power to go along. Maybe you're just not tapping into it. Maybe you're letting the power lay dormant. You're not taking advantage of it. But Jesus said when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. It's going to come upon you. You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Listen, when he says witnesses, that means we're going to go out and be little Jesuses. We're going to be conduits of his power. We're going to show up at our school. We're going to show up at our neighborhood block party. We're going to show up on the job, and we're going to witness that, hey, you know what? It's not me, but it's Christ in me. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That's right here. That's where it starts. That's, where, that's at home. That's where the upper room was. He said, but it's not going to stop there. You'll be witnesses in Judea. We're going to go a little further down the road. And in Samaria, we're going to go a little further down the road. And then just to make sure we all knew that nobody was excluded, he said, to the end of the earth. That's Acts 1. Now in Acts chapter 2, 
We read that earlier. I'm not going to reread it. But this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. And then in that same chapter, if you read on a little bit more, Peter stands up. The Bible says he stands up with the 11, and he preaches the first gospel message. And they're saying, hey, what do we do? We crucified Jesus. We want to be right. We want to be saved. And he said, repent, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the re- and be baptized in the name of Jesus for, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But then he said this in verse 39 of Acts chapter 2. Peter said that the promise, it's for your children. Your children who are at home, they've not been born yet, but it's for them too. And then he says, it's also for those who are afar off. So he's tapping right into that prophecy of Jesus. It's for those who aren't even here today, Peter was saying. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now listen, I probably haven't traveled to the spot on the globe that's the furthest away from Jerusalem where the, the Holy Ghost was first poured out. But I, I, would, I would say today that here in the United States that it would qualify for being pretty far away. Anybody go to Jerusalem last week? Just road trip it to Jerusalem? Kind, kind of far away. But you know when I, when I preached in South Africa, I was, I was pretty far when, when, I, when I preached in Honduras, I was pretty far. When I preached in Hawaii, anybody want to go there? Honolulu, oh, I want to go there. Hallelujah. Some of you get that and remember that. Amen. To everybody else, I'm sorry. But when I preached in Hawaii, guess what? That's a long way from Jerusalem. When I had the privilege of preaching in the country of Belize, listen, it was in a very remote place. It was probably the remote, most remote place that I've ever preached. We went and, and we were driving down the road and all of a sudden we hit a dirt road and we went for miles and miles and miles and miles and seeing a bunch of nothingness and, and, and dodging ruts in the road. And Finally, we got to a place where the car couldn't go anymore and so we got out of the car and we began to walk and we walked our way into that village. We walked down a dirt path and we got to this village. It had no indoor plumbing. As a matter of fact, as I'm walking over to the little church, there's a little uh, a little outside, you know, bamboo wall, and there's, there's somebody taking a shower right there. And I got to go in somebody's house, and you know what? It wasn't, no carpet was there. They didn't have concrete. It was a dirt floor. Probably the most remote place I've ever been. Don't even think about cell service. Wi-Fi, what Wi-Fi? It was remote. But just as it was prophesied, those people in that little village in Belize, they experienced and received the same Holy Ghost that you and I have. And the power of God was just as real for them as it was for you. The power of God, it was unlocked there just like it was on the day of Pentecost. And because of that, lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed. The demon-possessed are being delivered and saved. Salvation is spreading. Why? Because you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Listen, the church, the life church, this church that you're a part of, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary next year. This church was started in 1973. 
So next year will be 50 years. But how incredibly sad would it be that if the power that birthed this church was absent 50 years later? What a, what a sad commentary that would be that, oh, yes, it started in, 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 this, in this garage and, and the Holy Ghost was being poured out and people's lives were being touched. And so they moved into a house and started having church in a living room and God, God saved more people. And so they needed a building. They, they were outgrowing that space and they, they had to go and find property at Midway and Royal. They were able to have church there. And then, then here, you know, 2010, we came over here to Marsh Lane. Why? Because we need some room for, for what God's doing. So the Holy Ghost can continue to be poured out. But how sad would it be if we come to our 50-year anniversary and we've walked away and sidelined the Holy Ghost? You know what? We've outgrown that. We're more sophisticated now. We're more mature now. We don't, we, you know, we, we've kind of gotten pretty good at this. We don't, we don't need what we used to need. No, I'm going to tell you today, we need fresh fire. We need fresh fire. You want to know the way that you get fresh fire? You build an altar. <laughs> if your life is absent of fire... When's the last time you built an altar? When's the last time you built an altar? If you want the fire to fall, build an altar. The God who answers with fire, let him be God. Hallelujah. If you want that in your life, you want the Holy Ghost, and you want the fire of God, I want to encourage you as we get ready to close this service out, make up in your mind, hey, I want it. I don't want a dead formal church. I don't want to go to a church that has a form of godliness, but they deny the power. I want it all. I want the power of God in my life. I want the power of God in my city. I want the power of God in this church. So I'm going to keep building an altar. I'm going to keep building an altar. I'm going to keep building an altar because we need fresh fire from heaven. Church, we can't afford to be weary in well-doing. Well, pastor, we were here last week and we were here the week before. No, no, no. Listen, you can't be weary. Get another, get another log and put it on the fire. Get some more wood. Get another sacrifice and put it on the altar today. Come on, we can't ever get to the point where we're content with pretty church church of our own making you know what church of our own making is it's an idol because we make it in our image instead of making it in God's image we need the Holy Ghost we need the Holy Ghost I want the Holy Ghost to fill the whole house come on I want it from my family but I want it for your family too I want it for the person who's been around here 30 years but I want it for the person who walked in here for the first time today as well I pray that the Holy Ghost would fill the whole house thanks for joining us today we hope that you were inspired by today's sermon Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.